Good afternoon. Welcome to Pigeon Post. My name is Michael, and I am sitting in my car right now in the garage, um, looking at this huge page of notes um, that I just scribbled down for this chapter, John chapter 14. And what's jumping out at me is, well, first of all, let not your heart be troubled is repeated twice, as we'll see. And also this phrase, I will come to you, that Jesus says. Um, and then the idea of, uh, I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. So, I think this is one of the most relevant chapters for life. Like, if you want real life, this chapter tells you what real life is all about. And um, we got into this a little bit last time. I just have to contrast this with the current popular views of life that are out there um, being sold to us every day and marketed to us. And this idea of in this chapter, Jesus says, I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. So there is a union there, a unitedness that we can have with God. God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's one God, three persons. And so we use the term in Christian theology, union with God or union with Christ. Um that idea of union with Christ stands over against the idea of what our world offers, which is union with the universe, right? Um, and yoga is an example of this. Um, that just the idea, the original intent of yoga is a yoke with Brahman or with the universe. Um, I don't know a lot about it. But I know enough to know that that is the main idea, right? For originally from that, that stands over against the idea that God is separate from us and that God is not part of the universe and that we are not united to him by virtue of us being part of the universe. Um, and I do know enough about this that I know that I have friends who believe stuff like this. And believe that basically the universe is all one and God is part of it and we are part of it as well. So we are part of God. So just realizing that we're part of all this thing um, helps us to achieve this union or this oneness. Um, but the Christian idea is different than that. The Christian idea is that creation is separate from creator, um, separate by virtue of its not eternal. So we don't believe that the universe is eternal in any sense. We believe that only God is eternal. And then, so we're fundamentally separated in essence, but then we're also separated by our sin, right? And so Jesus comes in as God and man. So in him is the place where peace exists because in him, he unites God with man. He is that latter from heaven to earth, as he said. And he's going to expound on that. And I think that that's the reason why 
that he can offer this peace. It's related to this idea of the Holy Spirit being in us, right? But it's the initiative is on his end, and it's it's by his doing. He says, I will come to you. He says that a couple times. I will come to you. So um, this is something that needs to be received and not achieved. Um, so we have the idea of union with Christ over against this idea of union with the universe that the world offers us. Um, how about peace? The idea that peace, we mentioned this last time, um, I think we mentioned it in connection with peace, but that if we say um, love one another or love God, but we don't take Jesus' definition of love, then we actually have a a loaded idea, a falsely loaded idea. Um, and we take that love one another and we do all kinds of sinful things with it because we're not informing it by the love that God gives. Um, I think the same thing is true about peace. And Jesus says it. This, this is not my idea. Jesus is saying it. He says, peace I leave you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives, do I give to you. He's contrasting his peace with the world's peace. So we have Jesus' peace. Uh, I'm kind of wanting to do like, over in this corner, we have Jesus's peace. And in the other corner, you know, like an old boxing match, <laughs> you have Jesus's peace over here, the peace that he gives. And then in the other corner over here, you have the manufactured peace that the world gives through various methods we mentioned last time. Um, and then lastly, the, the last contrast, um, over in this corner, we have that there's one way to God, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And that the false idea that is in contrast to that is that there are many ways to God and that there are other mediators to the Father besides the Son. So um, I just wanted to throw that out there at the, at the get-go um, because um, Jesus is going to say a lot of things here. But I wanted to just kind of do a little bit of contextualization you know, that we have something that Jesus is offering that's totally different than what the world's offering. So um, with that in mind, um, let's dive into John 14. The Gospel of John, chapter 14. Don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many homes. If it weren't so, I would have told you. I am going to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will receive you to myself, that where I am you may be there also. You know where I go, and you know the way. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. 
Jesus said to him, Have I been with you such a long time, and you do not know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How do you say, Show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I tell you, I speak not from myself, but the Father who lives in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very works' sake. Okay, so we can see the disciples getting a little nervous here. Thomas says, whoa, wait, where are you going? We don't know the way. And Philip says, can you just show us the Father? Because I think I missed it. <laughs> but Jesus is so Jesus-centered, isn't he? I mean, this is just another obvious way that we know that Jesus is God, because otherwise he would be just full of himself, right? He is the Lord. He says, look, calm down, guys. I am the way the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. And you've seen the Father if you've seen me. Stop worrying. Don't let your heart be troubled. If you've got me, you've got everything. If you don't have me, you don't have anything. And that's that's where the message gets really offensive, um, even to some people who claim to be Christians. That Jesus is the only way to God. And I, I know I keep harping on this, but really when, when someone tells you that they're a Christian, in my personal opinion, I'll just speak from my, my angle here. If someone tells me that they're a Christian, one of the first things I want to ask them is what happens to people who don't believe in Jesus? Um, what happens to people who follow Islam or Buddhism or some other thing, or really any of those outlying versions of Christianity that, um, that don't give Jesus his full glory as God. And um, so I want to kind of poke around there and ask, you know, like, what, what do you think about other religions? Because Jesus categoric, categorically denies that there is any other way possible to get to God or have a relationship or be united to God, whatever language you want to use there, there is no other way to do it except through him. And I would go so far as to say, and this is not me judging, this is just what scripture says, that if you don't believe that Jesus is the only way, you have a different Jesus. Jesus believes he's the only way. We don't have the freedom to say, well, I still believe God is open-minded and, that, you know, no, he's not <laughs> because Jesus says he's not. He says he's the only way. So we, we have this really weird idea in modern Christianity that we can, we can take Jesus, but then not take the things that he says. And I think that's really strange because in this chapter and in this whole uproom discourse, Jesus is going to make a really big um, big deal out of his commandments and out of his words. 
So he says, look, if you follow my commandments and you follow my words, then you're with me. If not, then you're not. So it's, it's impossible to say I'm taking Jesus, but I'm rejecting his teaching that he's the only way. So, um, so yeah, I think, I think that's a big deal. If you have people in your life who, who claim to follow Christ, but think that it's okay if someone follows another religion, I'm concerned about that person now, as well as the person who follows, follows the other religion. I mean, guys, I'm doing this podcast because I'm concerned. I'm doing this podcast because I want you to have peace because I want, I want to have peace too. I mean, this is something that we need to press into. This is something that we need to own. If Jesus says, you've got to keep my commandments, you've got to keep my words, we need to know what those words are. We need to, we need to dig in there and see what it means and make sure that our, our ideas are being formed from scripture. Um, let's talk about that, that idea of peace, right? Let, let's just look at the gospel of John. What kind of peace did the world give Nicodemus? He didn't have peace. He had to come to Jesus by night. And Jesus knew that he needed to be born again. What kind of peace did the world give the Samaritan woman? She didn't have peace. She was wrestling with the idea of being a Samaritan, of not knowing where to worship. Um, she was on her fifth husband, which Jesus points out. She clearly didn't have peace. She was de- she was believing that this Jesus could offer her living water. She needed it. She knew that she needed it. She didn't have peace. What kind of peace did the world offer Mary and Martha and Lazarus? Well, at the very least, we can say that they offered a peace that was ending because Lazarus was in the grave and they were distraught. And there were probably other things going on with Mary and Martha as well. We see these things in the other Gospels. And, and let's personalize it. What kind of peace is the world offering you and me? I can tell you that I've sought peace in other places. I've sought peace in making much of myself and my identity and my art and um, various other things. What have you sought peace in? These are empty wells. They don't give you living water. The Old Testament says they're broken cisterns. They don't hold water. You're in the desert and there's this container that's supposed to hold water and it's broken. All the water went out of it. These things cannot offer real peace. Only Jesus can offer real peace. Um, uh, We're also going to get into this um, idea of, he says, I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. And he identifies the way that that's going to happen is through the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit will be in you. He calls him the helper, the spirit of truth. Um. So once again, if union with Christ, in antithesis to union with the universe, we have the peace of Christ, in antithesis to the peace that the world offers, and we have one way to God, in antithesis to many ways to God or other mediators to God. So with that in mind, um, let's see the rest of chapter 14. The Gospel of John, 
Chapter 14 Continued Most certainly I tell you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and he will do greater works than these, because I am going to my Father. Whatever you will ask in my name, I will do it, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you will ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments. I will pray to the Father, and he will give you another counselor, that he may be with you forever, the Spirit of truth, whom the world can't receive, for it doesn't see him and doesn't know him. You know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. In that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. One who has my commandments and keeps them that person is one who loves me. One who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will reveal myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, what has happened that you are about to reveal yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, If a man loves me, he will keep my word. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who doesn't love me doesn't keep my words. The word which you hear isn't mine, but the Father's who sent me. I have said these things to you while still living with you, but the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things, and will remind you of all that I said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, I give to you. Don't let your heart be troubled, neither let it be fearful. You heard how I told you, I go away, and I come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced, because I said I am going to my Father, for the Father is greater than I. Now I have told you before it happens, so that when it happens you may believe. I will no more speak much with you, for the Prince of the world comes, and he has nothing in me. But that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father commanded me, even so I do. Arise. Let's go from here. Wow, there is a lot going on here. And I don't want us to lose touch with the original context. Even though this was written to us, it was written about Jesus and his disciples and what's happening with them. Um, understand that he's... He's teaching them, 
and he knows that his teaching is really complex, and he knows, so he assures him that the Holy Spirit, who he calls the counselor or the helper, will bring these things back to their memory, guide them into all truth. Um, the implication is that they'll be able to preach the gospel truthfully, as we see in Acts, and um, basically uh, lay out the doctrine for the church um, through the writings of Scripture. And so there's a lot of these things that, like, if a question comes up, it's like, ooh, what did he mean by that in particular? Um, I would encourage you to look in the New Testament and see what the apostles taught about that. Um, um, for instance, there's a couple of things in there that are just kind of like, we could kind of go off on a tangent. I really don't even want to bring them up because I don't <laughs> have time or uh, the knowledge or energy or study right now to to go into all those things. Um but just keep that in mind. You know, a good place to go next after the Gospel of John is Acts. It's the very next book. So if you want to see, well, how did how did the apostles do greater works than these? You go to Acts. Um, when Jesus says something, some mysterious things about him and the Father and the Spirit, and you're like, how does how does that work? You can read um, in the writings of of Paul and kind of see, well, how does Paul treat that um, that Trinitarian life that we see there? with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. What does he say about that? How do they all do things um, through grace um, and through redemption? You can see a lot of that in um, the first chapter or two of Ephesians. Um, but I just want to underline again this idea that, that Jesus is offering peace, that he's the only place that peace is available, and that the peace that he offers us is a peace that unites us with the Father. You know, there, there are so many of us that may not have perfect relationships with our Father. There might even be people out there who you would consider yourself not having a Father or or being, um, um, what would you call it, um, just out of touch with your Father or maybe you didn't know your Father or the relationship is fractured in some way. Just go to Jesus because He is offering it. And go to the Holy Spirit, which Jesus, um, which is sent in Jesus' name from the Father to be your counselor and your helper. And, and this idea of letting not your heart be troubled, which Jesus says twice. Um, he gives you peace. He prepares a home for you um, in his Father's house. And he's not going to leave you as orphans. And this language is so much what we need today. Um to understand that there is a way for us to have a father. And uh, one thing I, I tell my daughter is, and then try to instill in her, and she'll even say it, you know, um, that I'm the second best daddy. And um, <laughs> that the first best daddy is God, right? And I want her to believe that. I want her to love God more than she loves me. And I want to do my best to show her the love of the father. And brothers and sisters, that's what Jesus did. And if if you're not in that, if when I say brothers and sisters, you're like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just listening to this because whatever. Um, if you're listening to this and you would not consider yourself a Christian or a believer, then I would just tell you that it's really, really simple. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. He's offering that to you. When he says, let not your heart be troubled, that's an offer to you as well. When he says, I am the way, 
the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. And that you may find that offensive. Our society promotes the opposite of that. But if you want real peace, if you want to know God as Father, come to Christ. Believe on him. Believe. Keep reading John. John wrote this so that you would believe that he is the Son of God, that Jesus is the Son of God, and that by believing, you would have life in his name. And so um, I think that's probably all that needs to be said. This is a very, this upper room discourse from chapter 13 to 17 is like an onion. We're going to peel back layers. It's going to go back and talk about the Holy Spirit again. And then Jesus is going to actually pray this, this prayer that almost summarizes everything that he said um, in John chapter 17. So I encourage you to, to stick in there with us. And uh, thank you for having grace with me. I'm not trying to be um, I'm the perfect Bible teacher or anything. I'm just trying to get you and to get me and my family, who's also listening to this, um, just keep us on track through the context of John and maybe to point out some things there um, that are worth underlining. So um, until next time, have a great evening.